Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Final hour of the Tuesday edition is here. Our conversation with Lady Balls head coach Kelly Harper coming up in about 20 minutes. Glad you're with us. 6th and Peabody, our location, downtown Nashville, with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Big thanks to the entire staff with OutKick for making it happen. Uh, Paul was over at the presser earlier today with Ryan Tannehill, where the Titans quarterback spoke for the first time this offseason, reflecting on the playoff loss, which, as you would expect, has been hanging with him for a while, and uh, discussed a number of things. A number of topics have taken place uh, with the organization. A.J. Brown's been traded. They've traded up and selected Traylon Burks to to replace him. They have signed Robert Woods. They have drafted Malik Willis in the third round. Uh, Paul, your biggest takeaways from what the the veteran QB had to say today? Well, uh, said, you know, basically they was tortured by the Cincinnati game. This is is something – would have been good to have heard from him between then and now. Uh, you know, the only real opportunity, though he's free to talk anytime to anybody, uh, would have been, you know, the, that game was on a Saturday. A lot of guys talked Monday on locker cleanout day. He did not. Uh, a lot of sleepless nights, scar, yeah. um, you know, tortured by it. Um, had been to therapy before, but this is the first time he ever went to therapy specifically to help him get past a dark moment, um, you know, that, that was one of the primary themes. Um, you know, it didn't feel like the last two weeks were necessary in the rhythms and the, the things that he's developed, renovating his house, wasn't fishing. That was a social media picture that had been taken at a different time. Um, so he didn't even fish even when that was taken? It was just posed? Like he was no, fishing? no, that picture was taken in March. Or so he whatever. was fishing in March. Well, yeah, okay. I have no problem with him fishing in March. Well, I've got no problem with him fishing in April. <laughs> if he wants to fish in April, it's just the timing of it that was terrible. Yeah, to release it whenever media, he did. The social media post was poorly timed. I agree. He didn't. He's well. Not to be clear, concerned um, with that. That's the dumb part. It's not when yeah, he was post, fishing. Right, it's that he was posted. Right. That's just another example of right, bad when leadership. There's a lot of conversation when there's people about. gathering, whoever it is on his team. That's a bad time to release that. Social media Disappointed to see A.J. Brown go, but uh, understood. Um, doesn't feel it's his job to be a mentor for Malik, Malik Willis. Do we have that, uh, that audio? Let's see. Here's, here's Tannehill speaking on mentoring Malik Willis, who's the third-round pick. In a quarterback room in the same room. You know, we're, we're competing against each other. We're uh, you know, watching the same tape. We're, we're doing the same drills. Uh, I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but – you know, if he learns, learns from me along the way, then, uh, then that's a great thing. I think, quarterback room in the same I think room. that'll haunt him. Well, that, I mean, that is, he said it. They're competing against each other. He's never said that about Logan Woodside. No, but that'll that, haunt him. That's the difference. Well, Logan Woodside's not a, not a good, you know, he's a very much a number two quarterback, number two B. Right, um, you right. Know. My, my point is, like, 
it, it's part of being a lead. There are leadership qualities, and that's just another example of not seeing it this off season from him, not hearing it. There, there are different ways, and I'm not saying that he needs to be coached on PR either. He can answer things how he sees fit, and there are aspects of what he said today that I like. Um, about Got to be better in January. Yeah, he's going to be. Yeah, he he needs to be playing his best football in January, which is 100% true and accurate. Um, and he's been very good in the regular season as this team's quarterback. But this is a very poor answer. And a, a, um, the idea that, um, and he said like, hey, if, you know, it's not my job to mentor him. And if he wants to learn from me and he picks up something along the way, cool. Like that's, that's very nonchalant and not to me what would, what would be asked of him behind closed doors. You want more from your starter quarterback than that. I've said that about Joe Flacco. And by the way, he's not Joe Flacco in this either. But Joe Flacco's on the very other end of Joe the Flacco's spectrum terrible. where he refused to speak to Lamar Jackson. Um, and then that, that's on the opposite end here. I think Tannehill will have a conversation with this guy. Um, but he's also, you know, I, I, I don't it think change. It, it doesn't come in and immediately tell me that things are in a great spot. Right. It can change. He can be coached into doing the, the right things with Malik Wilson. And I think he's always done the right thing. Look, uh, he's bought in to – do what's best for the team. That's not been an issue with Ryan Tannehill in terms of the culture. He's certainly been in line with the culture. Mike Vrabel's not going to have a quarterback that's not in line with his culture. And so as this thing develops, I think he will fall more in line with what they expect him to do with Malik Willis. But uh, the first foot forward, bad. I mean, he's getting uh, – there are a lot of NFL vets, uh, former players, uh, who have – chimed off on this answer by saying like do you have to go in and mentor players no uh, do leaders do that yes yeah right and it just it, on the surface level here it gives the perception and perception's reality um it gives the perception but before they, they they would roll their eyes at that aj brown didn't show up aj brown got traded yeah if you want out John Robinson will facilitate that no matter where you are in the pecking order. Here's yeah, the no thing, matter how too, good you even are, if he feels reality. Like, even if he fe- this should be easy for him because he doesn't have to defend his turf this year. Malik Willis but, is not going to start this year, so he could say, even if he doesn't mean it, I'm perfectly happy to, to mentor the guy this, and everything because it's a year off. This is what he hasn't said, Tannehill, and what the Titans haven't said as to why they didn't re-sign A.J. Brown. If they, they, they could have re-signed A.J. Brown, extended him. Um and by doing so, you, in order to create room, you kick the can down the road on contracts for some of your biggest veterans that you're paying a lot of money to. So instead, if, if you want to do a restructure or make room this year, with you, know, you could do something for Tannehill moving forward that extends his current deal beyond 2023. You don't want to do that. No. You don't want to do that either for Derrick Henry's contract by extending that longer than what it needs to be. Or... You know, Taylor Lewan, who is counting this year against the cap, but next year virtually nothing to my knowledge. Huge, huge year for him. Um, and you get cap savings on Tannehill and, and, and Lewan a year from now, uh, and they could have those savings this year with, with Lewan, but he's impactful on the offensive line. Point being, they're not saying the monetary reasons as to why they didn't bring back A.J. Brown. It's not because I don't think they viewed him as an integral piece of their offense. Moving forward, other guys that they would have to create um, extra years for or more money to are not in the long-term plan. That, that's what there's – and Tannehill's also – I mean, he's smart enough to realize this. Um, 
He was asked that, about his contract. That, 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 to me, is, is what the underlying issue with all this Beyond is. Beyond me asking him about his overwhelming cap number, you know, to which I think he gave the answer you give, like, hey, my agent negotiated well, that's, you know, the uh, best deal he could. Three years ago or whatever. Three years ago and all of that. The, the, and I, I agree with you. He said what he could. What he, what, the truth is he could come back and say, well, the Titans could restructure again. Like, I'm open to making room for teammates that are valuable to this offense or defense right. or special teams. They didn't come to me and try that. But like, he was also that's asked, the truth. He was also asked, like, if he was upset about his contract, which I thought is ridiculous. I mean, he's been paid no, $29 no, million dollars this no year. There's no way to be he's upset with it. He's overpaid. Right. Also asked about his relationship with Vrabel, and he said, oh, I just talked to him a little while or had lunch with him a little while ago. It seemed like everything's fine. Like, he was kind of, like, joking. Like, is there something I should know? Right. I just the, the the I only this is a topic because the vibe has seemed off all off season and the not a disconnect but just it's just not the same mantra right like the 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 tone immediately after the playoff loss was this team's not going to be able to get it done and they've got to come to realization that what they have in place needs to be changed and since then they have we, we know what's happened this weekend, but they've yep. also brought in a passing game coordinator for an offense that sucked a year ago. Which is big. And, you know, the, moving forward, they have a quarterback that they've just drafted in the third round with great value that does things a lot different than the style that Tannehill plays. Well, it's just when you are the quarterback and the leader of the team, whenever you speak publicly, you're speaking to the entire team. So That's right. just small things even. When you say, it's not my job to mentor – the new guy, the new quarterback, that that sends a message to the locker room that there is a divide. That there, there is, hey, I don't, I don't know if I want to be talking too much to this guy that my quarterback just said he's not going to be mentoring because we're competitors now. Um, and this know, is shortly after Nick Westbrook-Akina, uh, an undrafted free agent who's, you know, they've gotten a lot out of for what he is, sometimes asking more of him than they should have or should have needed to, is talking about, you know, doing everything he can to help Traylon Burks and and Kevin Phillips or uh, Phillips who are going to be ahead of him very quickly, yet you know. So what's the message to him when you're saying I'm not going to mentor well, the third round pick who's not going to pass me this year, but here I am. I'm going to do the things I can to help these guys who are better than I am as soon as they walk through the door. Well, that, you, you know that, that is kind of awkward all around. Yeah, you got to set the tone better than that. It's just it's just a strange answer to have on day number one back. Shouldn't have said it. Yeah. And, and, um, and it could be true. And I, I appreciate the honesty, but it's just that the vibe will continue to be off with that answer. That that's, that's how I take it. It's just like, yeah, that's, it's about what I expected. It's about on par for the off season of Ryan Tannehill. And Hutton earlier, you said Ryan Tannehill has not been a leader this off season. I, I tweeted that out. That quote, that quote was immediately liked by Nate Washington. Former Titans wide receiver. Well, about Ryan Tannehill not being a good leader. I will leader say this there's not been. I mean, there really only have been two weeks of this offseason. So I don't think he's done well with what he's had. But there's not been a lot to lead. Well, I have heard from multiple leaders uh, prior to two weeks of this offseason. Um, Ryan Tannehill's been on mute. So how? I mean, uh, I've at least visibly seen Derrick Henry working out. Like, um. I, I mean, the, the NFL is a daily storyline, and for him not to do something with literally any anyone is 
a bit odd. I don't, I don't like what he's done either. I'm a little softer on it than you are in terms of like, I, if he doesn't post a workout video, I, I, don't I know, I know he's working. Is he getting I, together and throwing with teammates? He threw with a couple guys. It's not as good Who's a collection a as guys? I would like. Des Fitzpatrick and Mason Kinsey. Yeah, two guys that aren't going to factor into the 2022 season. Well, if they do, I just don't. They're in a world Patrick, of hurt because the top guys that have just added aren't playing. I just don't think that this uh, going into a, you know to to become a hermit all off season. Uh, throughout it all, was the right way to go for a guy that had that ending I agree to a that. season. And look, I'm sympathetic to whatever he was going through, and he talked about the therapy and all that, but I don't think that's a, the way he described it. He's, I've been going to therapy for a while. It wasn't an all-off-season thing to get I've through I've been it. before, he said. Yeah, I just... Uh, it's, I'm okay with guys disappearing for, for three months, generally speaking. I, if he had talked two days after the game, kind of done a better job putting a bow on things... Taking the, taking the sword for his failure, which I don't think he did a good job of after the Cincinnati game. I think he could have really changed things. You probably agree to a degree. If he did a better job wrapping that thing up, saying me more than we, because it really yeah. was a lot on him, right. I think we would have had a different, different tone. And then maybe these two weeks, you know, just show up to be there, even if it's not really that important. The optics are different. Coming off of that loss, you come in, you talk the first day, you set a public tone. With those two simple moves, I think he could have changed the, the vibe in his, not in his favor, people are still down on him, but the work that he could have done with those two press conferences alone would have been a lot in a time where not a lot happens. Well, but he's, for the first time, the majority of the, the fan base is out on him. Yeah. Like that, that, that is, this was his reaction to that. And, and long-term, he knows the long-term play ends after 2022. Yeah. Because, um, let's be honest here too, if there was a way out of his contract this offseason, you make moves to do that and put yourself in place, uh, given all the quarterback movement, you make moves to enhance your offense. They're, at a, they're showing you they're thinking about the future based on what they've done this offseason Aside from quarterback. And it, I mean, uh, for a team based on the run, they absolutely would have to consider moving him if they could. That, that's where I come down on it. And, yeah. and, and they could probably get something. they couldn't do They're it. They're probably getting something for him next year. Somebody would be taking on, I think, $17 million in exchange for them swallowing $18 million. Yeah, he's probably the next he's quarterback. He's a good bridge Washington. somewhere. Yeah. You know, he's the next quarterback for the Commanders. I mean, it would and be, he'd be a good quarterback yeah, it, for a certain kind of team. It'd be good for the Titans for trade value to him, for him to have another decent regular season and. Losing the first round of the playoffs again. Proving he can't win in the playoffs and then deal him for an actual price in return. Well, they need get something back. I, I think concurrently, you'd like Malik Willis to develop, obviously. Yes. You don't want a, a, a huge question mark heading into next season. I think it's going to be a him. huge question mark regardless. I just don't well, know what how we big, can see how, from Malik Willis. Well, They're going to know more than we you will. say huge. But there's still going to be a yeah. big oh, question sure. mark. He's going to be an unknown. Yeah. But You'd like for them to have a really good feeling about him based on what maybe has gone unseen to us. Now, uh, go ahead, Jim. No, no, You're go ahead. Yo, keep, keep going with us. Um, Tannehill should be – I mean, the fact that A.J. Brown, his top weapon, was just shipped off um, for the, the wide receiver position who just wanted to get paid, I, I would be more upset and up front today than what Tannehill was with it. AJ, by the way, is talking about in his presser yesterday as we tie these in, 
He's talking about wanting to play for an organization that doesn't just want to get to the postseason but win. That's just silly. It's a very silly thing to say because what did the Eagles do in the postseason last year? They did as much as the Tennessee Titans. Right. And they, they lost. And uh, they were worse getting there. And, uh, but they're there. Right. I mean, the, the year fine. that the Titans sucked and won their way into the wild card, the last wild card was their best playoff run. Right. But that last wild card was six, not seven. We all agreed the seventh spots this year sucked. The Eagles barely snuck in. I mean, that's fine. They were in, and, and they did the same thing as the Titans. But he's making it sound like he's going to a team that, that's been winning playoff games out the wazoo. They're, they're built in very, uh, very well, they similar. They won a Super Bowl in the last five years. Uh, 2017. Uh, and they, they distant have, memory, new coach. They have an organization that is um, they're, they're trending in the right direction based on their conference and their division. So, the I mean, conference they, helps, but the Titans average, division is nothing special over either. The back, over the back stretch of their season, they average 250 yards rushing a game. Uh, they're Which very, is a lot like very similar to the Titans. Yes. And AJ is banking on the quarterback that he just went to so the quarterback where he was and I don't had a know great how, relationship with Tannehill who throws a better ball than Jalen Hurts there's frankly. no other way to read into that based on all of the the pre-trade stuff that was going on on social media where he's work he's not working out with Ryan Tannehill in Florida he's working out with Jalen Hurts um here no, not here in in uh, the offseason the week prior to the draft where he's traded from here um he's and that's on Instagram story from Jalen Hurts uh, they're FaceTiming immediately, laughing at the fact that they got this stuff done. Hertz has been recruiting him since high school, trying to get him to play for him in college. He was doing it again, and this time he made the trade work through his agent. Um, the, the one thing that A.J. wouldn't get into that I was surprised that he wouldn't get into is he was asked if he demanded a trade. Just say yes. Everything else about you has been demanding this offseason. Just say yes. Yeah. What's so he's wrong not going to get into the past. It's a lie to what's say no. What's, what's wrong in saying, he yeah, say I want no. to be traded? Uh, he no, said, I don't want to get into what happened in the past. Yeah. I want to move forward. It's so yeah. ridiculous. Yes. This is so ridiculous. Give me this camera for a second. When you're speaking for the first time since something happened and you say you don't want to talk about the past, that's complete BS. Bill Belichick does this sometimes. Bill Belichick loses a Super Bowl, and the first time he talks since he watched film, he says, I don't want to talk about the past. Well, it's the first time you've spoken since the game ended. That's not the past. It's still the present. You talk about it once, then it's the past. So A.J. Brown can't say, I don't want to talk about the past when he's not spoken about. I mean, he, he can do right. whatever he wants, but it's an idiotic rationale. It doesn't make any sense to say, I don't want to talk about the past when it's two days old and you have never spoken about it. You can say, I'm not going to talk about it, but don't use the rationale, you're not going to speak about the past as if I've covered all that ground already when you've not covered that ground at all. It's ridiculous and it's infantile. When Belichick's doing it, when Brown's doing it, when anybody's doing it, it's illogical. And it's a relative question to ask because Debo Samuel was it was it was well known he wanted to be traded from San Francisco. It was all quiet on the AJ Brown front. But beneath the surface, either the Titans are lying through their teeth, or AJ at the eleventh hour said, "Yeah, I'm I'm not re-signing here. Period. I'll you know." look at my hamstring and my knee whenever mandatory practice rolls around, you'll deal with that or deal me now. Well, he's thrilled with the trade. Of so course. Obviously he got exactly he, what he wanted. If he, if he didn't want to be traded, he'd be upset and, with the trade. And he, he deserves to get proper value based on where the position is and where he is at the position because even the second-tier guys are getting paid now. Um, but, but to sit there and say, yeah, I'm not going to get into the, the trade demands. Like, 
You absolutely did. Well, this he also is, kind of said I'm not a regular season guy. You know, I, I'm a I'm yeah, about I'm more to, postseason I, guy. I'm well, post-season to his credit, guy. and I gave, I give him credit on this. Um, that's exactly what he said at the podium. Pissed off. Yeah, you're right. After, after the after loss the to Cincinnati, he he actually stood up there and said, in full uniform, if I remember correctly, this is unacceptable. This performance was putrid, and this is the time of year where we need to be playing collectively as a group headed towards winning a title right. instead of talking about the offseason. That's the mindset and the culture that Vrabel and Robinson want. And they just not lost their meek, best guy. Quiet quarterback um, who's, you know, not wanting to speak on um, issues that are relevant, which is why is this team not getting over the hump with him at QB in the postseason? And they need more guys that'll talk like that. Jeffrey Simmons will talk like that. That's it. But the guys who talk like that are the best guys on the team. Kevin Byard, I think, will talk like that. But you list off their five best guys. Now maybe they're four best well, that, guys. That, what you heard from A.J. Brown in that answer where he says, I'm, I'm not a regular season guy. I'm, I'm about the postseason. That's true. And he echoed that when they bowed out of the postseason against Cincinnati. He was, he was doing what he could offensively to get it going. But, I mean, how piss poor is that that you just said? It's their four or five best guys to say that. Not one mention of Ryan Tannehill in that group. No. He took the opposite approach. Is he not one of their four or five best guys? He's got to be. He's the highest paid guy on the team. No, but he's not one of their four or five best guys. And, and, and that's partially on him, but it's largely team design also. They're built around Derrick Henry. They're built around the defense. That, that is largely a choice. Now, it's a choice made based on what he can and cannot do also. But they're, it's, it's smart by them well, based on, based I, on I, what happens in the games where they ask him to throw 30 times. So my takeaway from A.J. Brown and everything that's happened since is mm-hmm. great player, alpha mentality when he's playing. He's a me guy. Uh, there's no way around that with, with the way he handled this and what went down. And you can say whatever you want, but he's a me guy. And um, I don't want to hear any more about how much he loves Tennessee and how much he wanted to be a Titan because everything that he did did not say that. He, he demanded a trade. I mean, he broke off talks. The Titans didn't do that. And I'm not, I'm not absolving the Titans of this. I don't think the Titans had to trade him. They could have done more to try to sign him and keep him. But I just don't want to hear from A.J. Brown anymore about how he loved the Titans and wanted to stay and you know, he's tweeting and then deleting. It's their fault, not my fault. I really want to be there, Titans fans. No, you didn't. You would have gone anywhere that paid you that money. He would have been preaching about how he's a postseason guy signing with the New York Jets had they made that trade. Yeah, or Detroit. It has nothing to do with Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the one that wanted to pay him. That's it. And as much as he loves Hurts no and wants to tout Hurts, Jalen Hurts relationship. he may be playing for a rookie quarterback next year there if Hurts doesn't cut it this year. Maybe. And if I had to vote right now on whether Hurts cuts it this year, I'd vote no. Uh, he very well may be. But uh, this year he's playing for Jalen Hurts and he's getting paid $40 million before next January rolls around. So he'd be making $4 million with Ryan Tannehill. And you know, he's a postseason guy, but... He can have the same result in both places, quite frankly. Titans-Eagles play this year, I believe. Hey, by the way, if he stays in Nashville, what are the chances he's staying with Ryan Tannehill long-term? Yeah, he'll be sure. Malik Willis' favorite yeah, target. Same thing. Now. Same situation. That's w- which would be the same. Um, coming up, Kelly hey, Harper joins us. Hey, quickly, um, yep. because this game's happening right now, I wanted to update you guys. Dansby Swanson of the Braves has two strikeouts today against the Mets in game one of doubleheader. That raises his National League leading total to 35. 
Adam Duvall, also of the Braves, is second in strikeouts in the National League with 32. This is the 25th game of the season. And you have 35 strikeouts for one guy and, and 32 for the other. Skipper Chip had a great call last night. He goes back to the wall. He looks up. Oh, no, it's gone. Actually, the guy didn't move. Didn't move. Just watched the ball go into the stand. Well, but was it a home run? Yeah. That's one up on your guy. No, I, <laughs> he correctly I called a home run. I told you my guy is terrible. But he your guy's allowed to be He correctly called a home run. But he called it correctly? Well, he called like the outfielder was running back to the wall to try to make a catch and watch it go. But actually, outfielder stood because he knew it was a home run and didn't move. Are these guys calling games more off the monitor now? I don't is know. Is that what, what the think. issue is? I don't know. Well, Sterling's issue is that he's like 86 years old and he's never been good. Oh, well. <laughs> That's a problem. That's his issue. That's a problem. You know who is good is Kelly Harper. Uh, she great. chatted with us last week, and you'll hear from her next on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Coach Kelly Harper with us on Outkick 360. Coach, yesterday I, I mentioned that Kelly Jolly would be on site. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you don't hear that much often, uh, as often as you would in, in past years, but I'm, am I an idiot or does it happen more often than what I think? It happens in this state. Okay. <laughs> it does. I'm still, still happy. You're also it's, from it's McMinnville. Okay. I am. I'm so from that's County, close White enough County. to Sparta. Yeah, that's we're, right. we're probably kin, kinfolk then. <laughs> we, may, we may be. Yeah. 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 We may be. I mean, one of my heroes growing up was Brent Jolly. So oh, shout well, out Brent. Yeah, there, there you go, go. Brent. <laughs> we got Brent the shout wins out. again. That's right. Coach, this year was, um, it, it was something uh, to behold. You know, you guys really start to take off. Then you have the unfortunate injury late in the year. What was it like just from, you can look at a season, I'm sure, and segment it off in different stages. What was that season like when you look back in the different phases of the season and what happened and how it ended? That's exactly what this what this season felt like for us. It was phases, you know, and I think um, to, to start, it started our first first game of the year we lose our leading score for you know, 12 or so games. I mean, it was, it was pretty tough to try to come back from that. And so to go 18-1 and one to start the season, that was our first segment. That was that's pretty That's good. good. Good segment. You know, it was a great segment. That's where you and, want to be? You know, I think for us, um, we we made it all the way up to a number four uh, ranking, um, and we it was a lot. It was a lot. It was an uh, I like to say it's a space we hadn't lived in in a while, and these players hadn't lived in that. So we had to we had to learn what that felt like and what it looked like, and then um, then we had some injuries and. Um, 
really difficult to recover from. I thought we did, and we had another injury. And so um, for our team to finish in the at the Sweet 16, I think it was a big deal. Did it feel like you should have been there when you got to number four, you're 18 and one, or did you feel like maybe we're a little bit ahead of schedule uh, as to where we should be right now as a program, or did it feel right in that moment? You know, in the, I felt like for the majority of, the, of that time, we were, we were playing and winning, playing and winning, and just kind of even even though it was Tennessee, still a little bit under the radar, uh, but we just kept winning and kept winning. And then all of a sudden, boom, everybody wanted to talk about us. I mean, the attention, attention Tennessee gets is a lot anyway, and then all of a sudden it was exponential. It, it, it happened. It felt like it happened overnight. And, um, you know, we just kept doing what we needed to do, and we st- stayed focused. Um, and then an injury and everything. It was just really difficult to, to, to come out of that. Well, beyond just, oh, we've been there, done that, how does that benefit you now? Does it help leadership? Does it help the way you view the situation or how you coach the situation? Where does it benefit you in 2022? I, I think that's that's a, a great question. And for us, we've talked about it as a team. You know, we told our players, we want to be there. That's where we need to live, you know. And and so for them, we talked about what that pressure felt like, what that stress felt like. How were they different in November than they were in January? And they talk about how it was different. And so I think now they're going to they're gonna welcome it a little bit more and they're going to feel more comfortable in those moments. You've got three big-time players coming in as transfers. Uh, what's the transfer portal life like for you? <laughs> I've obviously had great success in it. Well, it's been good to us this year. I think, you know, it's going to it's going to have ebbs and flows every year. You're going to have to see teams do well and you're going to see teams uh, maybe be hurt by the portal. I think it's going to be both. And, you know, for us, it's been really positive this year. This is the first year out of COVID that we've had uh, the transfer portal. So April was, oh, man, it was fast. Uh, recruiting is fluid. The transfer portal recruiting is like riding the rapids. I mean, it's just totally different, and it's, it it changes daily, and that, that landscape. So our April just, it, you know, it was just so quick with, with recruiting. One of those three, Jasmine Franklin, you're reunited with from your previous job. What's that relationship been like from recruiting her in high school to re-recruiting her from yeah, the portal. yeah. So you know, I had an opportunity to recruit her and coach her for a year, and she was a super talented player. Felt really good about what she could do in that league. And then when we left, I just been a fan, you know, just watch them from afar. And um, when she decided to jump in the portal, um, I, I thought jumped might, right I jumped right in. Yeah. You know, I was trying to hey, let's do this again. You know, and um, she had some other opportunities. She just she had to make sure it was right for her. But I think she's super excited about you know, her opportunity and, and what she can do, but also the fit and the timing and, and the, obviously the comfortability of knowing um, knowing your coach. I'm hoping you're not going to tell me it was just like any other game, but you might tell me that when I ask this question. What was it like? <laughs> any other game. What was, it like, what was it like going to Connecticut and playing against Gino Ariema, knowing the rivalry, the history of the rivalry, the history between your mentor and coach and Coach Summit and Gino? What was that like, just the whole trip, the experience, everything? Yeah, <clears throat> I think it was a little a little better this year. Um, two years ago we went up there, and it was the first time that Tennessee had played Connecticut in a, in a long stretch. And so there was 
I mean, there was media everywhere. You had interviews for weeks leading up to. It was a lot. And you get up there, and there's a big crowd. And it's, it's, it was huge. Um, and, um, you know, I think that experience helped us this time, you know, in terms of our staff and, and how to prepare for something like that, the, the attention and the – and, and everything around the game. Because you want it to, when it gets game time, you want it to be a game. You want it to just be about that game. And I thought we did a better job this year of, of making it like, making it that way. Um, but it's, it, you know, they're, they're talented. Um, they're, they're, super, they're well coached. They've got a, a, a lot of people watching that game in person and, and on television. So, you know, it was, it was good for us. It really is. I, now, I, we had one of our players that had not been in that kind of game, and she walked out, and she stopped, and she said, oh, there's a lot of people here. You know, so, um, But <clears throat> playing that game helped us when we were in at South Carolina. In that environment, it, it wasn't as – there was a lot of people there, but it wasn't something that we hadn't experienced. Well, I want to ask you about South Carolina because the Lady Vols, it's such a national brand, and starting out, you know, it was Louisiana Tech, and it was the Lady Vols. And then it was UConn and the Lady Vols. But it was always not an SEC rival. It was a national scope game that Tennessee would play. Now you've got South Carolina dominating you know, women's college basketball right now. Is that what you're striving to be? Is that the next rival for your program and what Don Staley's doing at South Carolina? Well, I think you've got to look right now, like, who, who are the best teams? And if you want to be among the best, those are the ones you've got to compete with and beat. No, you've got to beat everybody else too. But you, you know, to be the best, you're going to have to beat the best at some point. And obviously, right now, what Dawn has done at South Carolina, she's proven it. I mean, they had an unbelievable season this year and topped it off with a championship. So, they, uh, they're the team to beat right now. And and obviously, that's uh, they just happen to be in our league. So uh, our our league is strong, and and obviously, it starts from the top. I think the the theme of a halftime speech I saw you deliver during the season was was about effort not being what you uh, had hoped it would be or what you expected out of a Lady Vols team. You delivered it very pointedly. Uh, you were hot, um, and and I think as people saw it, they, they thought it was a lot like Pat might have delivered it. And I'm just curious how often. Uh, when you step back from moments like that, do you see her in your style? Yeah, I think you can't you can't be around Pat for a, even a small period of time and not take something. And you know, for somebody to see her for and play under her for four years and know that's what you want to do, you have to take some things from her. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I have to still be myself, and I think our I think our accent. And um, our, our sometimes demeanor is, is similar. Uh, I, I think I'm a cupcake compared to her personally. <laughs> personally, I do. Do you tell, do you do you tell, tell your players, players do you yes, that? Yes, I've got a really good picture in my office, and she is right yep. here getting it. And I have that in there so they can, they can, I can show them. Look, I'm, I'm actually not that hard on you guys. So. <laughs> and, and you know that that locker room. I know it went viral, but. Uh, Sometimes you do. Sometimes you have to deliver it. Sometimes you have to get after them. And sometimes you're in there hugging them and picking them up. And the cameras just happen to catch that first one. So yeah, that, the other one doesn't tend to go viral, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. Everybody loved that. They, you know, but that, you know, those those happen. I mean, they do. It's not just a one-off, but it's not a every every time thing either. Top level of athletics is always tough. How how tough is it to to 
jump back into the upper level of women's college basketball right now? I think it's very difficult. Uh, there's so many good teams. I think the difference when I was a player 20-something years ago, um, you know. <laughs> it's not that long. Right. It's not that long ago. There's a handful, right? Yeah. You could count yeah. on your hand how many teams could probably go to the Final Four, right? Now there's a You could a, put you or UConn every year. With Tennessee and UConn, sure. you know, in right. that period that's going to sure. win it. And now you, can, you just can't do that. It's not as predictable because there are so many good teams. So, you, you know, you can move up and, and, and get to a certain point, but now getting up where you're there, every it's really difficult to do. There are a lot of very talented teams that don't get to the Final Four. What's what's next on the calendar for you? You get some time away or? Oh gosh, let's no? see. What's the, no. Another recruiting. Visit? Uh, yeah, recruiting. So you, you know, April's been um, been hot with the transfer portal recruiting and, and some high school recruiting, and May will be a little bit downtime because when when your players aren't on campus, you don't tend to bring in as many um, pr- prospects. Um, but but boy, June lights back up again. Uh, we get our players back on campus in June and. Um, and then recruiting starts all over again. And we're, we're out a little bit. We, we've had, we'll have a, we had a weekend in April, and we'll have another weekend in May where we can go out and watch events as well. We love having you on the show. You always have a seat here uh, anytime we're in Knoxville or here in Nashville or you want to jump on by Zoom, let us know. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Would you like Kelly to announce Harper. your next transfer right now yeah. since you're here with us? <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, perfect. There Stay you go. Tuned. Kelly Harper has been our guest here on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Our thanks to Kelly Harper for joining the show. Lady Vols head coach. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Paul, uh, on your way back from the press conference today with, with Tannehill, you heard Chad and I discuss the Browns and... Hugh Jackson and the fact that the NFL uh, found no wrongdoing on the Browns' part. I did. Uh, unsubstantiated uh, allegations that they offered to pay Hugh Jackson to lose on purpose and tank games for the regular season. Ridiculous uh, by Hugh Jackson and the whole thing. But I did find the NFL's uh, statement to have an objectionable piece. Here's an investigation they could put to bed and just – just close it, quash it, and be on the right end of it. And instead, they say that um, they found that the club's ownership of football personnel, the investigation found no evidence to suggest that the Browns' four-year plan or the club's ownership of football personnel sought to lose or incentivize losses. That's fine. They also say, and made no decisions deliberately to weaken the team to secure more favorable draft positions which is absolute crap. I mean, it was part of their strategy to bottom out. Why do you have to add that? Made no decisions deliberately to weaken the team to secure a more favorable draft position. That's an outright lie. And so they take this report where they completely won this. They have an absolute case to shut this thing down, bury it, put the nails in the coffin, make you Jackson look like an idiot, and, and, and this is the quickest 
resolution to an NFL investigation in history, but they add this thing that's completely untrue. The Browns absolutely did weaken themselves. A lot, lots of teams weaken themselves, and it's not a crime against the league, but they have to add this thing to take it to a high and mighty level that's beyond what is reasonable. I just thought it was foolish to, to add that wording and to go that far. They... Um... They do. They always try to take it the. Huh. It's either it's either way too much, right, or it's just a sentence that oh, we're looking into this. We win. There's, there's we no... finally win, and we're so excited about winning. We're going to put our foot on your throat to a degree that is takes it beyond. Well, well it's just also it's once again too many leagues or teams treat their fans like they're idiots. Yes, and that's what I, that's what bothers me more. They just don't say that at the end. No because we know what happened. We can all point to it was that Bucks Bills game or whatever at the end of the year, a Saints game where they pulled their starters at halftime. Tampa, yeah. It was Tampa doing it to secure uh, the number one spot. But in they the pretend draft. like it didn't happen. And, and then they go, oh, you know, we were resting guys and load management. No, you weren't. You could say whatever you want, but everyone knows what you're doing. And guess what? Most people don't really have a problem with it. Yeah. But just don't say that you're not doing it. Just say we felt like that was the best thing for our organization. Don't, uh, as, as a wise man once told me, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> and the NFL does that far too often, and they're not alone in that. Most leagues do that. Um, one, one thing is clear. Hugh Jackson didn't have the proof necessary. No, Hugh Jackson is a blowhard. And when has America ever allowed a guy that was such a loser to have so many chances to be a blowhard? Well, it, the... I mean, he said in an interview, right? It was a podcast or a radio interview where he made these claims. I think it might have been on Real Sports. I think you're right. Wasn't no, it that, was, was that Brian Flores? No, Brian Flores went on Real Sports. I don't know. Hugh it, Jackson it, said in an interview, and then the league, then someone followed up and he doubled down on it. Then the league investigated, and, and the league contacted him, and he said, No, I'm good. <laughs> you guys take it from here. Go ahead and find nothing. I, I said in the first segment, Paul, I said the league should send him the legal yeah, you're the right. bill. Hey, you made these claims, you get to pay our research department for Unfortunately, this. in this instance, he's not on the league's payroll to be given that bill. He's not grambling. They should send it down to grambling. I, I don't disagree <laughs> with you. He's, Can you imagine uh, the provost at grambling, the president, <laughs> receiving the bill from the NFL? Hey, your employee, one Hubert Jackson, <laughs> made false claims against one of our clubs and an owner, and now you owe us X amount of money. But you, you have to be able to come with some, some hard evidence of this and just saying, like, oh, yeah, they, they once offered this to me. You can't take it to that level. And you can't attach yourself to the allegations in Miami, which is what he did, and not have some, some receipt, right? Like Against a billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar Because you know lead. the NFL is going to look into it, right? And, they're and not going to gloss over And it. their legal forces are you know, exponentially better than yours. At least Ray Horton had the Mike Malarkey podcast. I mean, he had, you know, there's some substance to his complaint. We can argue it out and say why it's not the case. But Mike Malarkey said something that was pretty controversial there and sparked a debate. So controversial it came out two years later. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, somebody, well, I mean, look, there's, there's some that. substance that they were conducting some sham interviews known that they hired. There's right. zero substance that it was race related. Right. Because they, I mean, there was zero substance. To, we got to differentiate between the two. Yeah. Like Hugh Jackson also jumping a on. a sham for Doug Marone. I mean, if we, we can right. call. It was a sham we, for everybody. If, if we can, we have to come to a place where we can call out idiocy on all sides and all races. Hugh Jackson jumping on Brian Flores' 
racism lawsuit and said, yeah, the Browns are racist too, I swear. Don't look at my record. They were racist to me, and they, they did that. I mean, come on. We can, well, call, that, we can call stupidity stupidity and get away with it just fine. That was stupid. Well, they, what he jumped and attached himself to, Hugh Jackson, was the lose, lose and we'll pay you like tanking yes. aspect Which of it. Which there's zero evidence of, and it, the you league have correctly to, You have found. to be able to find... You well, have to the, come there's, with zero, receipts on there's that. zero evidence that Brian Flores that was race-related. There's zero evidence that Ray Horton was race-related. Steve Wilkes may have an argument in that he was not given a fair shake, but I don't know that you can point to racism with it. Look, it, racism exists. We all know it. It's very difficult to prove. So if you're Brian Flores in this lawsuit, they have promised receipts about the they bribe have. and about everything else. If they have that, they'll need to present it. And if they can present it, they got something. They've got something big over an NFL owner, but I, I just haven't seen it yet. I don't know in what, any of these cases. Legally, why you don't present that, right? Or you. Well, if, they also. If you, had, if you had more, I don't know why you they wouldn't played, bring that forward. They played the long play also with more plaintiffs. They promised in well, the that's, beginning, that's there's going to be too. a lot more coaches jumping on board. We promise, just wait. And then, aware of the plaintiffs, they're coming. They're, and then finally, the two jumped on Ray Horton, Steve Wilkes. But we haven't seen any more to this point. Guys, um, Memphis and Golden State tonight will be one to watch. 8.30 is the tip-off time tonight in Memphis. Game two, um, Golden State is favored by two points. It's a one-point finish. The Warriors lead the series 1-0. I don't normally recommend watching the NBA playoffs this early, in round two, this early. Early. But I, I recommend watching this game. This will be a competitive game no matter when you tune in based on the storylines of game one. And John Morant. Steph Curry, um, and the the new faces of both of these teams that are you know Bain and others who are playing outstanding basketball right now. Hut and I will join you in watching. Pieces are being written those. about the conclusion of Ozark, and I haven't watched one episode yet. I've still got four left uh, because my wife cannot stay awake for more than one episode a night, and we watch together. So yeah, we get about forty five minutes in. I'm like, please just finish this episode. Yeah, been we'll get through one a night. Watching ahead and then pretending no, like not, you haven't watched I'm it? I'm not watching ahead yet. But wow. I may resort to that. I may resort to that starting tonight. After, Join us after tomorrow. <laughs> Wednesday edition starts at 2 o'clock Central across the Outkick Network. Join us for Outkick 360. Do not, do not, do not block the box. But please, lock your locks. <laughs>